came to give it to you and me. And not just a little dab of it, but to the overflow. We are supposed to be exuding God's life wherever we go. In fact, listen, when anything of this world comes up, up against the life force of God, guess what happens? The life force of God overcomes it. When sickness tries to come against us, we got the life force of God on the inside of us. Healing is going to overtake that sickness. Are you listening to me? And when poverty and lack try to overtake us, glory to God, the life force of God's blessings and, and more than enough living overtakes the lack, overtakes the, the not having enough. Amen. When the bondage tries to come and the devil tries to come to keep us in bondage, glory to God, the delivering power, the delivering essence of God keeps us free from that junk. But you got to know it's there. I said you got to know that it's there. We have the life force of God on the inside of us. We have God's life on the inside of us. And I gander to say that the vast majority of Christians don't comprehend this. Because if they did, they'd be living a whole lot differently than they do. And I trust by the end of this study, every one of us in this room and anyone who might listen via the internet are going to start to get the revelation, wait a minute, I got what I need to succeed, to live excessively, to live in the land of more than enough right now on the inside of me. Glory to Jesus. Friends, I tell you what, there's nothing the devil can throw at us. There's nothing the devil can throw at us. I want to say that again. There's nothing the devil can throw at us that's greater than the life and the life more abundantly that's now in you and me. Ooh, glory to God. And it's not, listen, it's not just for the sweet by and by. It's for the here and now. In fact, the very moment you got born again, this life came inside of you. Go to John 3.16 real quick. I don't have this in the notes. How many know what John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have the moment you get born again, guess what comes in you? The eternal, everlasting life of God comes in you. Go with me to um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I want to read this to you. Praise you, Jesus. I'll just read it from here. These are all things that the Lord was giving me earlier. 5.17. Very familiar scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how many of you are in Christ? Is there anybody in here who's not born again? Because we're going to get you born again right now. Because you want this. Because if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, notice he is a new creation. You didn't just get refurbished, you got born again. Did you hear what I just said? If you take a piece of furniture and you go to work on it, clean it up, shape it up, make it so you can sit in it or whatever, sell it, whatever. That's refurbished. God didn't do that to you and me. God came into our hearts 
And when we said, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, he came, bam. We went from a state of death to life. And we became a new creation. Notice the old has passed away. I said the old has passed away. What's that referring to? Our old sinful nature is dead. It died with Jesus on the cross. It was buried with Jesus when he was buried. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All things have become new. I said all things have become new. We got God's life in us now. It's, go, it's flowing through you and me whether you understand it or not. If you're born again, you're a new creation. God's life is now in you. In your spirit, it permeates your soul. It permeates your flesh. That's why the Bible says the spirit of God quickens, brings life to your mortal body. Ooh, that makes me a happy man. Thank you, Jesus. Now go to Ephesians chapter 2 real quickly. I'm going to read this today, at least the first 10 verses, from the Amplified. And I know it's Amplified. Okay, never mind. I thought someone might snicker on that, but that's okay. This is the women's Bible. And you, he made alive. Everybody said, he made me alive. What happened? The life of God came in you. He made you alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sin, in which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who would go against the purposes of God. Among these, we as, well, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature. Obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind. Our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. But God... But God, so rich is he in his mercy, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. Glory to God. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him. For it is by grace, his mercy, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made, take, made partakers of Christ's salvation. I love that. The very life of Christ himself is in us. Glory to God. And he raised us up together with him. Notice, and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with Jesus. Oh, Lord, give us that revelation. May that revelation dawn upon our hearts. He made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our, our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. 
He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages, from now, throughout all the ages to come, the immeasurable, the limitless, the surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor and his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It's not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. This is the scripture I really wanted to get to. It's so good. Verse 10, for we are God's own handiwork. We are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. Recreated. Born again. In Christ Jesus. Born anew. That we may do those good works. Which God predestined. Planned beforehand for us. Taking paths. Which he prepared ahead of time. Notice that we should walk in them. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Ooh, that's some good news, folks. We've got God's life in us. We are connected. We are in Christ Jesus. Amen. His life is in us. It's not just for the sweet by and by. It's for right now. From this day forward, that life is already in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad for the life that Jesus has come to give us? And not just a little bit of it, but to the overflow. Hallelujah. Life more abundantly. Now, a few weeks ago, we began to look at three levels of living that we could find here on this earth. Number one is the land or the level of not enough. Number two is the land or the level of just enough. And finally, is the land or the level of more than enough. And even though you may not be there, you need to understand that God's will for you as his very own child is the land of more than enough. Are you listening? As his very own children, he wants us blessed beyond measure. And, and not so that we selfishly hoard it all up, but so that we can be a greater blessing to those around us. You know, that's one of the things I, I and James and uh, Riley can attest to this. When you're with Mark Hankins, there was a couple of other PKs there, preacher's kids. And they, uh, he, he just, it was so funny, I got to tell off. These, he asked these teenage girls to sing a song. He had gone up to them. You could, I saw him over there talking to them and everything else. And uh, so uh, he, was, he was taking a break, and uh, there he was fixing to come back up, but he had them sing a song. They came up there. And, and so when they got done singing, he pulls his wallet out and hands them a $100 bill and her, the other girl a $100 bill. And the girl stopped and said, you promised me $200. Can you believe that? And, and, and Brother Mark said, I gave you $100 earlier. With that 100 it's $200. But he said, come back up here, and he gave her another $100 bill. Her and the, her uh, sister. Glory to God. Just giving it off. And then, then uh, 
I don't know if Seth told you this or not. I told Seth, I said, Seth, you just come sit by me. I'll, if you come sit by me, I'll start talking to Brother Mark. And before you know it, he's going to give you some money. He goes, oh, I don't need no money. I got lots of money in the bank. I said, so you don't want him to hand you a $100 bill? You wouldn't be blessed to receive a $100 bill? He's like, oh, And so he sits down beside me. And then I said, hey, Brother Mark was coming by. I said, hey, Brother Mark, have you met Seth yet? And he came and he sat right down by Seth and, and me. And he started to talk to him and found out he was a preacher's kid and started talking about some other things. And then another pastor walks in, and then before you know it, Brother Mark's pulling out his wallet, hands him a $100 bill. Now, the, what am I saying all that for? It's because that's living in the land of more than enough. He just, he's not giving them a dollar. I mean, there wouldn't be nothing wrong giving them a dollar. He's not giving them $20. He's not giving them $50. He's handing them a nice, crisp $100 bill. It's nice when you get a $100 bill handed to you. Amen. Especially when you're a teenager. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's living in the land of more than enough. God wants us so blessed, we're blessing everybody around us. That's called being blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Glory to God. He wants us demonstrating, now get this, to this lost and dying world that he loves them. And he wants to bless them. And he wants to take care of them just like he loves us and blesses us and takes care of us. Amen. Now there's something I brought out that's so important to understand a few weeks back. If you want to go from one level to the next, in other words, if you want to go from the level of not enough to the land, of just enough, and then from there to the land of more than enough, then something's going to have to happen right here on the inside of you. You're going to have to change the way you see yourself. You're going to have to get faith in your heart. Where does faith come from? It comes from the Word of God. You begin to see yourself the way God sees you. And as you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, so blessed that you can't contain it, all of a sudden you'll find yourself starting to go from one level to the next. And glory to Jesus. I know this is true. Amen. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Many times when you get to the land of just enough. No, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold that thought because I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you need to understand it is an act of faith that's going to get you from one level to the next. You've got to see it on the inside first. In fact, 3 John chapter 2, I believe I have that one. It says this. Brings it out perfectly. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Well, how? Just as your soul prospers. In other words, it's... The, it, 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 the, the proportion that you see yourself prospering in here will start to affect what's happening out here. Are you hearing how I'm saying that? How do we prosper inwardly in our souls? How do we prosper inwardly? Friends, listen, by having our minds renewed with the truth of the word of God, by beginning to see ourselves the way God sees us, and we need to have our will conform to God's will. And our emotions under the control of our born-again spirit. Amen. We've got to see ourselves blessed in order to get blessed. Because, see, when you begin to see yourself blessed, you have no issues with sowing. You have no issues with giving it away. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
You know, it's so funny because people have the mentality, well, if I had a million dollars given to me, I would be sure to tithe if I had a million dollars given to me. Well, you would. Not if you're not tithing off the dollar that's been given to you. Just saying. It's, a, it's, it's right here. It has nothing to do with out here. It has to do with what's in here. I look forward to giving. I said to you recently, about a month or so ago, that I was, you know, Pastor Joan and I were going to be able to write a big check to the church. He did. And it's a lot of fun to do that. Amen. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, I, you know, the counters are going, I don't remember seeing that big check. It's because we, we wrote it out and we deposited it. And we put it in as a separate uh, 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 amount. I mean, a separate offering. But glory to God. I mean, I, I, just, I don't. I, it was a big amount of money. Hallelujah. Thousands of dollars. We sowed into this church. You know why we sow into this church? Not just because we're the pastors, because we believe in this church. Plus, we believe in doing it God's way. Man, it's a whole lot of fun doing it the way God wants you to do it. And like I said to you, I mean, when someone comes up and you're not expecting, someone gives you a check for a thousand bucks, bam. I mean, we went home, we was, glory, hallelujah. It's always, especially when you're fixing to go on a trip. Someone hands you a thousand dollars thousand dollars hallelujah you know the first thing we did off that we tithed immediately i wrote a check out set the check aside because i we weren't going to be here but the, the 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 point i'm trying to make is that's how god wants us to be if he didn't want us to prosper in all things and be in health then why did he give us the way to get there that just doesn't compute in my head and, and, and the level that we prosper isn't determined by God. The level that we prosper is according to you and me. How much are we going to uh, put our time in getting in the word of God, getting our minds renewed, getting the faith built up, and then releasing our faith? And then once we release our faith, guess what happens? We begin to praise God, and then it will manifest. It shall manifest in this natural realm. Glory to God. Everybody see that today. Praise the Lord. Now I started to mention this a few weeks back. There's probably no better example found in the Bible. That portrays these three levels of living more so than the children of Israel. How God dealt with the th uh, children of Israel. From the time they were enslaved to the Egyptians. Which is the land of not enough. To the time they wandered in the wilderness. Which is the level of just enough. To the time they entered into Canaan land, only some of them did, though, the land of more than enough. So for 400 years, 400 years, the children of Israel were slaves to the Egyptians. But eventually, God heard the, children's, the, the cries of the children of Israel and sent a deliverer to lead them out. And, and Moses did just that. And, and, and after many miracles and signs and wonders took place, the Bible says Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt after they had plundered the Egyptians. In fact, in Psalm 105, verse 37, the Bible says that God brought them out with silver and gold, and not a single one of them was feeble. I don't think we fully comprehend this. 
what God did for them right there. He brought them. They were slaves. They owned nothing. They were probably in a very weakened state, most of them. I mean, think about it. They were, I mean, if you study this out, they didn't even have enough uh, uh, food and, 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 and uh, the, what's the, what's the, the resources to do what they were being commanded to do. And so you know that some of them were probably had maybe broken bones or probably sick, barely getting by. Their children were like that, malnourished. But yet when God brought them out, God brought them out with silver and gold. God brought them out with not one of them feeble. That means not one of them sick or, or, or broken down. Ooh, glory to God. And then what happened? God then brought them. He brought them through the Red Sea. There were a lot of miracles and things that got them to that place. Got them through the Red Sea, which is a type of our salvation. And he brought them right to the promised land. Right to Canaan's land. And when they got there, what did God do? God instructed them, told Moses, send spies into the land. Moses sent the spies in the land. Twelve spies went in. And when they came back out, ten of them came out, came back and said, we can't do this. There's giants in the land and the walls are well fortified. We can't do this. Well, Joshua and Caleb said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. The, the, the same God who brought us to this point is the same God is going to get us through. I mean, help us overcome the giants in the land. These cities don't hold nothing against us. We can overcome them. But what happened? The people sided in with the ten spies who brought back the bad report. And as a result, they, began, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation died out. Now, was that God's will for them? Was it God's will for them to have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years? No, it wasn't, guys. God had given them, promised them Canaan's land. It was an incredible place. We're going to read about it here in just a moment. But they begin to complain and grumble and murmur and say, we can't do it. How would it we want to go back to Egypt? We want to go back and be slaves. At least we got food. They barely had it. I mean, they, they could barely survive there. And they're complaining and grumbling because of the bad report. But you know what? During their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, that is called the land of just enough. God gave them food from heaven called manna. Manna would fall every day and they'd go out in the morning and collect it. And they would have enough food to make it through that day. Except for on Saturday, they would get enough for not only Saturday, but also for Sunday, for the Sabbath day. So they would get for two days. And it would, but if they got more than they were supposed to get, that manna would, would, would rot, would spoil. They could only get just enough. To survive. The Bible says that their shoes didn't wear out. But they didn't have anything but one pair of shoe, Riley. Can you imagine living your life that for 40 years? 40 years, same shoes. You know they smell bad. And they all had they, they, one set of clothes. 
But God took care of them up to a point. Just enough. Just enough. Just enough. Oh, friends, dear Jesus. I tell you, uh, 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 what happened, though, and this is so important. Get, I want you to hear this. During their wandering in the wilderness, the land of just enough, they faced tests of faith and tests of obedience over and over and over again. And guess what? They failed tests of faith and tests of obedience over and over and over again. I mean, again, just take the story I just shared with you. When they went in to take, uh, uh, when they went into the promised land, they spied out the land. That was disobedience, wasn't it? That was a lack of faith. God said, I've given you this land. Now go, whatever you set your foot to, it's yours. It belongs to you. But they allowed what they could see to influence what they did. And as a result of that, they didn't get to go in to this wonderful, incredible land. They failed their tests. Well, guess what? We just saw a few weeks ago in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, what happened to the children of Israel were examples for us. Are you hearing me? Written for our admonition. And there are a whole lot of Christians today living in the land of just enough. And the reason they continue to live this way is because they too continue to fail tests of faith and obedience. You hearing me? Is that God's will for them? To be in the land of just enough? No, it's not. But the only way to get from the land of just enough into the promised land is you have to pass your tests of faith. You have to pass your tests of obedience. When God, when you come to church and the revelation comes and you see the word and you get excited about the word, but you don't then turn around and do the word, that's called disobedience. And you will not prosper beyond where you currently are at. You're listening. That's not what God wants for you. That's why the revelation has come. So that you then do. And when you do, whoo, I'm in the land of more than enough. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to read to you a description of what Canaan's land was supposed to be like for the Israelites. And what kind of life, now get this, and what kind of life we're supposed to be living right now in Christ Jesus because he came to give us life and life more abundantly. I want to, oh, God, this is, think about it. These Israelites weren't even born again. And yet God wanted to take them into the promised land. Canaan's, excuse me, Canaan's land. Whoo, a land of more than enough. Let's read about it. Deuteronomy 6. Now this is the commandments and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess. What is their only responsibility? Do the word. Obey. 
that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, basically all of your family, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Notice that if you obey God, your, life, your days will be prolonged down the earth. You see that? Therefore, verse 3, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you. And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Ooh, glory to God. Verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. He's given them cities which they did not build. Houses, houses, not a house, houses full of good things which you did not fill. You go into a house and it's just filled up with all kinds, brand new furniture, big screen television, and you didn't even have to bring it in there because God gave it to you. Whoo, glory to God. And, and, and who... Hoon out wells, which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. When you have eaten are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Sounds like a pretty good place, doesn't it? Verse uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, notice, and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna which you did not know, nor, your, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 4, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Hmm. Verse 6, therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron. And out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full. Then you shall bless the Lord your God. For the good land which he has given you. Verse 11. Because that you didn't, do not forget the Lord your God by Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, I don't think you're all getting this. I think, you're getting, I think a lot of y'all are hearing right now. Wah, wah, wah. Don't hear wah, wah, wah. I want you to hear something here. Your herds and your flocks multiplied. That's how they made their living, friends. Your silver 
and gold multiplied. Ooh, not added to, multiplied. I mean, 10 plus 10 is 20. 10 times 10 is 100. How many know that 100 is more than 20? When you multiply, it's always going to be more than when you add. Amen. Glory to God. And, and, and all that you have is multiplied. Everybody say multiplied. And verse 18 goes on to say, and you shall remember the Lord your God, but it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Mm. Friends, Canaan land was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land of more than more than enough. Their houses were to be filled with all good things. And they didn't even have to go out and get any of the good things the houses were full of. Glory to God. They were to eat without scarcity. I mean, they never, they never lacked. They, they were to have gold and silver and copper in herds multiplied to them. In fact, everything they had was to be multiplied. Again, not attitude. Attitude. Not attitude. Added to. Added to multiplied. Everybody say multiplied again. And it all had to do with the fact now get this, that God gave them power to get this wealth so that he may establish his covenant with them. Now, that's a good word, right? I hope you wore your shouting clothes. Glory to God, the Bible says in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, that we have a better covenant based upon better promises. In fact, so many like to say that Canaan land is a type of heaven. It's not. I said it's not. It's a type of the kind of life we're supposed to be living now because of the fact that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, excessively, super abundantly. Glory to God. And again, it's not in the sweet by and by, but right now in this life, hallelujah. In fact, go with me to Mark chapter 10 in closing. Woo! We looked at this, uh, uh, this account recently. We talked about the rich young ruler. How many remember, were you here for that? We talked about him coming to Jesus, asked him how he could inherit eternal life. What did Jesus do? He told him to go and sell everything he had and give it to the poor. Well, this rich young ruler obviously was rich. That's how he was labeled rich but do you know do you notice because of the way he responded we never got his name we never found out what his name was his name's not in the bible he's just known as the rich young ruler and so when jesus told him what he must do what happened he turned around and walked away didn't he sad he couldn't let go of his riches for his riches now had him Oh, my, my, my. Question. Did Jesus tell this rich young ruler to go and sell everything, and once he did that, to take a vow of poverty? Did Jesus tell him that he was now going to be poor and broke the rest of his life? No. He asked them, him to do this. Now, I want you to hear this. He asked this rich young ruler to do this, not only to locate where his heart was at, 
to set him up to be even more blessed. Jesus knew the principle of sowing and reaping. You hear what I'm saying, friends. If you sow bountifully, you shall reap bountifully. But instead of doing what he was instructed to do, he went away sad. He failed his test. Oh, my, my, my. I want you to notice how Peter responds to all this. I want you to look at verse 23. We're almost done. Y'all with me? I think it's going to get you a little bit excited. This is right after the rich young ruler had walked away. Verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Why? Why were the disciples astonished at the words of Jesus? Think about it. Why? Because they believed anyone who was seeking after God and his kingdom would be highly favored. And as a result, tremendously blessed. In other words, rich. Oh, I, glory to God. I tell you, that's some good revelation right there. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who, notice, trust in riches. To enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus isn't saying having riches is wrong, is he? It's when one puts all their trust in his or her riches instead of in the Lord. It's when one loves and serves their riches instead of loving and serving God. Now look at verse 26. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Now this is where I wanted to get to. Then Peter began to say to him, hey Jesus, we left everything to follow you. See, we, we've left it all to follow you. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, Jesus is fixing to make one of those statements because whenever Jesus is fixing to make a big, profound statement that's going to kind of blow their minds, he always begins it with, Assuredly, or tell, I'm going to tell you the truth here. I want you to get a hold of what I'm fixing to say here. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one, everybody say, no one. No one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children. Or lands, lands, everybody say lands, for my sake in the Gospels. Who shall not receive a hundredfold? Who's saying this? Who's saying this? Who's talking right now? Jesus said, you shall receive a hundredfold. Everybody say, well, that's in that sweet by and by when you get to heaven. No, Jesus said, now. Everybody say now. now. In this time. Right now, in this time, now, in this time, not when you get to heaven, but right now, in this time, glory to God, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers, children and lands, everybody say lands, right now, glory to God, my wife and me are standing on this right here. We have done this very thing, and we fully believe that what Jesus said is coming to pass in our lives. Glory to God, as we are living for Jesus, as we are seeking after him in his kingdom. We got a better covenant based upon better promises than the children of Israel. God had a promised land for them. God has a promised land for us. Our promised land is better than their promised land because our covenant is better than their covenant. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Now, don't, please don't, don't, do not do this. Think, well, that might be for you, pastor, because you're a pastor. This is for anyone, anyone. God wants you to experience a land of more than enough. He wants you to have a lifestyle where you dress in the best clothes. You drive the best cars. You live in the best houses. Glory to God. And you are the best giver in this town. Hallelujah. Woo! Oh, my goodness gracious. Can I tell you, I'm going to tell you one story, then we're going to take communion. Mark Hankins talks about this. He had, he had saved up thousands of dollars. I think it was $3,000, if I'm not mistaken, to buy himself a Rolex watch. Oh, he was excited. He got the money. He was excited. And, 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 and so he was fixing to go get him a new Rolex. He would have got the money. And the Lord said to him, do you think it's right for you to have a Rolex and your dad not to? His dad had been in the ministry like 50 years. Do you think it's right that you have a Rolex and your dad not? And he said, well, God, God. But you know what he did? He obeyed. He called his dad up and said, Dad, I want you to show up. I want you to come here. I want to I bless you. And he did. His dad came. He took him to the store, bought his dad a brand new Rolex. And he said, from that time, I have received more Rolex watches that have been sewn into my life. Some of them, $25,000, watches. Because he was willing to do that. To this day, he has said, out of all the watches he's been given, he's sewn them. Except for one. He has one watch left that's been sewn into his. He, he wears one. You know what, what watch it is? His dad has since gone home to be with the Lord. He wears his dad's the watch. He bought for his dad. Glory to God. But he says he still has that, that $25,000 one. Sitting. But he said, the Lord tells me, I'll give it away. I'll give it away. But God, that's called living in the land of more than enough. More than, more than enough. God wants all of us to live like this. It's not just for a chosen few of us. It's for all of us. But you've got to pass the test. You've got to pass the test of obedience. You've got to pass the test of faith. You've got to see yourself prospering in here. You've got to see yourself uh, uh, living in the land of more than enough in here. If you ain't there yet, then trust God to elevate your life, to line up with his word. He wants you to be a living advertisement of his goodness to this lost and dying world. If what you have doesn't glorify him, if what you have is less than what those in the world have, why would the world want what you have? Come on. I understand getting saved and going to heaven is obviously the most important thing. But God doesn't want us to just leave it at that. God wants us, his children, to live prosperously right now in the land of the living. Right now to demonstrate his goodness. And it's not to hoard it all up. It's to be a greater blessing. Hallelujah. I want to give a check for $100,000. I want to give a check. I'll be bold. I want to give a check for a million dollars. Come on. I want to give a check for a million dollars to the ministry. Praise God. Can it happen? Should it happen? 
You heard the word. You see it in the word. Do you want to be in the land of not enough? Do you want to be in the land of just enough? Or do you want to be in God's perfect will for your life? The land of more than enough. Jesus came to give us life, life more abundantly, excessively, super abundantly, more than, more than enough. Hallelujah. See how, do you see how we need to get our minds renewed to these things? Don't accept where you're at. I'm not in any form or fashion condemning anywhere, anybody in here where you're at. But know that God wants to take you on to greater heights. He wants to take you, elevate your life to a new place. He wants you to be a greater blessing in this world. I mean, come on now. If if a person walked in this room that you knew handed out $100 bills, then it kind of gets you a little bit excited. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Here, ooh, here he comes. I'm going to smile real big when he shows up. Glory to God. <laughs> what? Is that, the way, is that how you're going to get it? Is that how you're going to get blessed? No. you got to see it in here first. And then you've got to obey. You've got to sow your seed. I've said it to you before. Sometimes God would tell me to sow into to people that I'm looking at them. That I, they don't need that, God. I know this person over here needs it. But guess what? God is not moved by needs. God is moved by faith. And if a person's operating in faith, glory to God, he wants you to, do, he wants you to obey, go bless them. But you know what ends up happening many times when you go and bless somebody who's already looked so blessed and prospering? They give it away. They sow it into somebody else's life. I, I, I want to I be known, now hear me now, in a good way now, understand this. I want to be known as the one who has a wad of $100 bills in my pocket. And when I walk up and God leads me to somebody and says, hey man, God just told me to give you $100. Whoosh! I want to be that person. How about you? Could it be that way? Could God want us to live that? I'm telling you, Pastor Joan and me, we've been looking forward. You know, that we, I, we, we were at um, Cracker Barrel. We were eating, and the, and the girl was cute, and she was sitting there, and she was laughing, smiling, and, 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 and you know, very sweet girl, and, and, and I just knew immediately, I'm going to bless her. I looked at her, I said, what's the biggest tip you got? And she said, I got a $15 tip one day. She said, well, that's good, hallelujah. I looked at Joan, and she looked at me, and then she walked away, and I said, well, we're going to give her a tip for 50 bucks. Anyway, I mean, our meal was only like $15, and gave her a tip for 50 Glory to God. You don't think that blessed her? We went to this, this coffee shop. We're driving along this coffee shop. It was the absolute worst cup of coffee I've ever had. So it wasn't based upon how good the coffee was. But the girl looked at me and she goes, she goes, I said, how you doing? She goes, well, not so good. We've only had four cars come by in the last four hours or something like that. I think it was three hours. Four cars in three hours. And I want to say it's because of this coffee. It's horrible. <laughs> But I, but I, you know what, I, I, I'm just like going, I'm going to bless her. I'm going to bless her. And, and, and so she gave it to me, wrote her a tip for $25. That's fun. I said, that's fun. It's fun to be a blessing. But you can't be a blessing unless you're blessed. And you're not going to be blessed unless you're obeying God and living a life of faith. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I could keep going, but I better not. Jesus came to give us life, life more abundantly.
And I want to end it by saying this, and I don't know if I'm going to get there next week or when it will be, but we got to understand something here. There's way too many Christians not living in this land of more than enough. This super abundant lifestyle. In fact, I'd say the majority of Christians aren't. Why? I want to show you from the word of God what I believe the biggest reason is. Not only are they failing tests, but this one's a big one. So make sure you come back. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Brad, could you go get my wife some food?